Tonight I'll be preaching from the book of James, James chapter 5, James chapter 5, and I'll be reading verses 19 and 20. James chapter 5 and verse number 19. The Bible says, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converted the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for the gift of salvation. Thank you for sending your son to this earth to die on Calvary's cross. And what a privilege it is to know you personally as Lord and Savior. Thank you for blessing us beyond measure. We're so undeserving, yet you love us. Pray that we would seek to love you more and more each day. And I pray tonight as your word goes forth that you would use it to strengthen our hearts, to guide us, and to challenge us into a closer walk with you. May you give me the words you love me to say, Cleanse me of sin and to me of self, and your precious Holy Spirit, that I may preach what thus said the Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. There's a quote by Lennox Lewis, who is a former heavyweight boxer, that I'd like to share with us by way of introduction tonight. And it says this, and I quote, there are no masters of any craft who haven't mastered the fundamentals first. It is a rite of passage required before you can truly take things to the next level. Don't be in a hurry to put your personal stamp on something until you've mastered the basics. End of quote. This statement is true in any attempt or endeavor to master a skill, whether it's in the area of sports, music, whether it's speaking, whether it's art, no matter what it is that any individual desires to master, you must first focus and master the fundamentals. Oftentimes, we want to shortcut the process to success, but it simply does not work. As I think of this aspect of stewardship, which James speaks to in James chapter 5, recognize that James understood very clearly that as a child of God, as a believer, we own absolutely nothing. But we've been given the privilege to be able to manage, to be able to be a steward of what God has entrusted into our care. And he speaks to this aspect of the church, of which we are privileged to be a part of, a spiritual body of believers that God has left here on earth to perform his will to evangelize the world, to minister to the lives of people. And it's important as we carry out our stewardship that we understand that we have a responsibility 
a God-given responsibility to minister to the lives of people. But in ministering to the lives of people, my friend, it is important that we pay attention to basic, fundamental principles and practices. We cannot be successful if we avoid the basics. We cannot be successful if we avoid fundamentals. Oftentimes, people want uh, shortcuts to ministry, shortcuts to, to large churches, and shortcuts to, to people uh, who, who would be in a church and serving, and it always fails. It might appear to succeed, but if the basics are avoided, it will not be successful. We've examined a number of principles and practices outlined by James here in this chapter. And by way of quick review, I want us to understand the progression here tonight as we look at the final principle as I see it in this particular text. We saw first of all in verse number 13 and 14 that there's the aspect of personal responsibility. Each and every person must do his or her part. We saw that the church as well is a place of reliance. While we have a role to play, we must depend on each other. None of us can do this work by ourselves. So there must be dependence. We saw in verse number 16 that we must prioritize relationships. As such, James speaks to the importance of confessing our faults one to another so that we can deal with offenses adequately or else they would erode the foundation of relationships. So we must prioritize relationships. But we saw last time that the church that's going to effectively minister prays repeatedly. James says in verse number 16, and pray one for another that ye may be what? Healed. We cannot accomplish the task that God has called us to do without engaging in prayer. But James concludes this chapter and this epistle with what I see as a foundational and fundamental driver for effectively ministering. And I thought as I looked at these final two verses, what an appropriate way to sum it all up. He, as it were, puts a bow on this entire book and this chapter in speaking on this matter of stewardship. And I'll give you this principle as he gives it here in verse 19 and 20. James says, if we're going to effectively minister with everything that I've said, we must promote righteousness. We must promote righteousness. Now, notice James has what I see here as a spiritual burden. A spiritual burden. He says in verse number 19, if any of you do err from the truth. What do you notice here? James says if we're going to effectively minister to people, there must be a concern for everyone. He says if any See, it doesn't matter who it is, but if any of you do err from the truth, he's here speaking to this aspect of ministry that we must have as believers a burden for all people to be saved. 
for all people to live right. We ought to have a desire to see every single born again believer grow and prosper in their walk with the Lord. We ought not to want some people to live right and couldn't care less if others don't. This attitude comes directly from the Lord himself. Listen to what 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 says. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that what? All should come to repentance. We're speaking of this aspect of ministering to people. My friend, this spiritual burden that every single child of God ought to have lodged in their hearts uh, that ought to motivate them to serve God must have concern for everyone. Amen? But notice, while there's concern for everyone, James speaks to this fact that we must be compelled to engage. Now, it's one thing to be concerned, but it's another thing to be involved. Notice what the verse says. If any of you do err, that speaks to the concern for anyone and everyone from the truth. And what? One does what? Convert him. Now, James, be careful here. He's not talking about us in our human capacity, ultimately changing a person. You and I don't have the power to change people. But he's speaking of the fact that there's an implication that a person's actions can lead to an individual not continuing in the same wayward direction. In other words, uh, a person might, might be going the wrong way and a person who, who sees that person going the wrong way uh, decides to engage and speaks to that person and based on that conversation, that person might change their mind. That, that, that's engaging. You see, my friend, a, a burden is something that compels you to act when you see uh, wrong or when you see people doing wrong that ultimately will cause them to destroy themselves. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but if you have, I would suggest that you have a burden. You've ever told yourself, because of an experience, an undesirable experience, a bad experience, in trying to help someone, and you told yourself in the flesh, you know what, that's the last time I'm messing with them. That's the last time I'm helping them. That's the last time I'm having anything to do with them because you went out of your way to do right and you went out of your way to help and you feel you got burned. And you said that to yourself. And guess what? It wasn't the last time. You just couldn't keep yourself from being involved and engaged. Why? Because there's a burden in your heart that compels you to help people to do right. Why? Because you want to see them succeed in the Lord. That's a spiritual burden that compels you to engage. You can't see people running, ruining their lives and hurting the work of God and just let it be. 
spiritual burden recognizes that God can touch people's hearts and bring about transformation. That leads to a compulsion to get involved. James says the spiritual burden leads to a concern for everyone. It compels us to engage. But here's why that, that, that passion continues to burn. Because, my friend, conversion is exciting. When you see people's lives transformed, listen, it, it, it fires you up. To see people's lives turned around is a, is a thrill. When you see people make decisions for the Lord, that ought to be exciting. That's a sign that you have a burden for the Lord. Listen, if people make decisions for the Lord and it does absolutely nothing to your heart, my friend, you have lost your burden. Maybe you never had a burden. Luke chapter 15 and verse 10 says, Likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repented. I mean, if angels are in heaven rejoicing over one sinner, I mean, how much more ought we to rejoice when they're repenting in our presence? James says, we ought to promote righteousness. But promoting righteousness happens because of the existence of a spiritual burden. But notice finally, that when there's a spiritual burden, my friend, there will be special benefits that come about. Look at, look at what this verse says in verse number 20. It says, let him know that he which converted the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death. Say, what are the special benefits? My friend, in being involved in ministry, in the work of God, here's what's so thrilling. To see saints empowered. To empower uh, the saints of God. Uh, the results of living a life pleasing to God. They are seen when people are preserved from the ravages of sin. Sin leads to death. It's the very cause of death. And leading people away from sin, my friend, it saves lives. gets people on the right path. It saves a soul from eternal death. It saves a soul from physical death. It saves a soul from the death of their dreams and their destiny. Do you know that when someone makes a spiritual decision for the Lord, listen, you don't even know what you've saved that person from. And the blessings of ministry are from seeing people Get on the right path. Get back on the right path. The people who didn't love God now love God and lead others to do the same. To see a husband leading his family. That's life changing. That's generation changing. See a young person leading their peers to do what is right. To see a, a work on the job, leading their co-workers in, in truth and in righteousness. Listen, we have the ability of the power of God to transform our society. 
to empower saints and then to see earthly success. When, peop- when God's people are empowered, here's what happens. We live productive lives. We'll see people's greatest need met. And that's the need for God. It says in verse number 20, let him know that he which converted the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. That's what ministry is all about. It's helping people to recognize their need for God and to turn to him to fulfill that need. And when the hand of God is upon a life, there is bound to be success. James says, we have a responsibility to minister to people. We have a responsibility to appropriately manage our stewardship. Our lives are not just to be engaged in routine of going to work and paying some bills and saving some money and going through that ritual and routine for many years and enjoying life and all the pleasures of life and just passing on. It's good to enjoy life. That ought to be a part of the entire process. But our goal is to positively impact people for the Lord. James says, we cannot do that unless we promote righteousness. Righteousness exalted a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Sometimes I believe we falsely look at that verse and think that it applies only to laws of the land that uphold the laws of God. And while that is an aspect to it, the righteousness of a nation is rooted in the righteousness of its people. So when people live righteously, the nation will be righteous. And may it be that as a church, that we are a beacon, we are a lighthouse, not just to proclaim the word, but to also to practice the word. And that in our actions, in our attitudes, in our words, that we promote righteousness in our relationships with others. When we're giving advice, and when we're giving counsel, promote righteousness. When someone comes to you with an endeavor or with an attitude that you know is not godly, turn them away from it. Turn them to the word. And what the Bible says, let's promote righteousness. And one conversation at a time, one relationship at a time, we would make a difference to minister effectively to the lives of people. James says that's what it's all about. And when our lives 
are focused on that priority, we will change and impact our world. Let it be that Shiloh Baptist Church is a place, and not just a place, but it's comprised of people who desire to be good stewards, and in being good stewards, who will minister to people that we will, by the grace of God, endeavor to promote righteousness.